Computer, initialize Holosuite. Data's memory malfunction turns a Wild West fantasy into a real live shootout. My God, you've been shot! Now, with only primitive defenses, can Worf stop a gang of murderous outlaws? Where have they taken my son? And with no escape, can he survive a violent showdown? There's a gunfighter out there who has the speed and accuracy of an android. On Star Trek, the next generation. Welcome to Beyond Farpoint, a podcast where we talk about Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm Jeff Owen. My normal co-host, Baz Greenland, is enjoying a day off today, so I've brought in some help for this month's episode. Joining me today is Dan Decker, a.k.a. The Commodore. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm fantastic. Uh, how are you, Jeff? I'm pretty good, thanks. Thanks for coming on to uh, today to talk about one of your favourite episodes, I believe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me and hello to your audience. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I am always excited and always ready to talk about Star Trek. Uh, and today uh, we are going to talk about uh, the, uh, I believe it is, uh, is it the sixth season episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, um, A Fistful of Datas, uh, which touches on my heart in a whole lot of ways. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what the reasons why you like this episode so much. Dan, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, first of all, and how you got into Star Trek? And I understand that you've got a podcast, too. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah, my name is Dan, and uh, I have been uh, born and raised, as they say, in uh, central Arkansas, the United States. Um, I've lived here uh, my entire life. Uh, I have been other places, but I haven't been outside the U.S. yet. That's a goal yet to be achieved, uh, hopefully soon, once COVID permits. 46, uh, with... Three boys, a dog, a cat, and a beautiful wife. Um, and uh, I work for the world's largest fruit company at the local fruit stand. Uh, and aside from that, I spend an awful lot of time on Twitter under the moniker The Commodore, where I raconteur about Star Trek and various other things that strike my fancy. But Star Trek has been a part of my life since I can remember. Uh, and um, easily, you know, three, four, five years old uh, when it just became the background of my life. And, you know, these days it's easy enough to watch it whenever you want, however you want, wherever you are. Uh, and uh, so that's a little bit spoiling uh, comparatively. And, uh, and, yeah, you mentioned um, uh, we, you know, a podcast. I do have I recently shifted gears a little bit uh, and changed the tone of, of the show. And it's, uh, it's transitioned into Shall We Digress, uh, where we talk just about anything. And uh, the latest episode of that coming out. Uh, on Thursdays, every Thursday, check your catchers. And that is uh, at anchor.fm slash digresscast. And you can follow that on Twitter, same handle, at digresscast on Twitter. And uh, yeah, so the, 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 the idea there is we can have, you know, guest one-on-one guests or we can have panels. We can just talk about it. It just opens up the possibilities for uh, what the show can be uh, compared to how it started. So pretty excited. 
Fantastic, yeah. And I know you're uh, you're a great follower on Twitter yourself there, Dan, so uh, um, definitely recommend it. Do you want to just uh, give your Twitter handle out as well? Oh, right, yeah, you? absolutely. Uh, you can find me on almost any social media. Reach me at Gmail and uh, find me on Patre- Patreon uh, at D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R. So that uh, is an intentional misspelling of my last name, D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R, uh, at all the places, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, YouTube, and uh, Gmail. So, yeah. Okay, fantastic. So, anyway, let's, let's get into this episode then. Uh, we are talking about... A fistful of datas. Mm-hmm. Bit of full disclosure here. I'm not a huge fan of westerns myself, but okay. I do like science fiction westerns. So I don't <laughs> know if you've seen. There's a Red Dwarf episode called Gunmen of the Apocalypse. Uh, I have not seen any Red Dwarf, and I really need to rectify that because I need to get these references. I really should be. I should be better about it. You know. Oh, I definitely recommend that one. And there's a Doctor Who episode called A Town Called Mercy. Um, both the great science fiction westerns. There's also been episodes, of course, of Twilight Zone, The Prisoner. And we've got series such as Firefly, The Expanse, Mandalorian, Wild Wild West, of course, Westworld. Right. They're all science fiction westerns, plus movies such as Back to the Future 2, Cowboys and Aliens. And even Star Trek has had other western episodes as well. So we know right. we've had Spectre of the Gun from the original series and North Star. So what is it about A Fistful of Datas for you then, Dan? To contrast your position, I, I am a huge fan of Westerns. Uh, it's cool. one of the, and I think that comes, you know, that I don't want to say that comes from being American, but uh, that is obviously a grandiose and, and oversized uh, part of our history here in the United States uh, is the glory, as it were, of the Wild West. Uh, and so growing up back in the day, um, playing uh you know as we called it you know cowboys and indians then nobody <laughs> plays that game anymore <laughs> i was gonna um, say yeah that's not politically a little yeah we don't we don't play that game anymore. <laughs> um and and for good reason for good reason, of course you know of course, uh, yeah i will say though i uh, i always sided with the uh, i wanted to be the uh, uh, on the side of the indigenous people i was i, I would rather be a native uh, and a cowboy. Um, I always wanted a bow and arrow and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, but this plays to that. So, of course, you know, at the same time, around the same time, Tombstone had been released um, and was super popular. And so it was, I think that may, I don't know if that influenced this episode at all. Um, but, uh, and then we get to see uh, an excellent uh, outing from uh, Marina Sirtis. Uh, as uh, as Durango, and then Brent Spiner is everywhere. And anytime you know that that anytime he gets to do that is a good it's a good show. And that is one of the reasons it's okay to watch Masks because uh, you get to see Brent Spiner do incredible things. Uh, wacky episode, incredible things. Um, the only downside of this, and thankfully you know it's not a lot of them, is uh, I, I you know not nothing against the actor, but man, Alexander is. He's a challenge. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Alexander episodes, but this one, this one uh, is a rare gem. Rare gem. I've got to agree with you. In uh, Beyond Farpoint, a couple of episodes ago, we spoke about technical failures. But funnily enough, this this sort of leans on that because we'll be going into 
holodeck issues on this one. Right. But yeah. um, but we spoke about Alexander on our tech failure episodes because we spoke about rascals. We were saying about how much they brought him into the episode so he could actually save the day in that episode alongside the uh, the other kid actors. So the shrunk crew. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying about him. Normally, I'm not a big fan of Alexander, but yeah, this is. This, alongside Rascals, I think is one of his highlights, personally speaking. Well, and to kind of, you know, anytime I've learned, anytime there, especially with recurring characters or even main cast, um, it isn't necessarily the actor. Definitely, uh, it is, is it rarely the actor uh, that's the problem. It's mm. how the character's written. It's a misunderstanding of, of, of the goal for that character. Um, they brought in Alexander to give... You know, so so that there could be tension between uh, Worf and Kilair, and well, if you hadn't killed off uh, Kilair, then you wouldn't have to deal with Alexander. But they did, mm. and that's where we are. And then they really don't know what to do with him. You know, he's here for a minute, he's there for a minute, he goes back to his grandparents. Oh, he's now he's a Klingon and Klingon Academy. I don't know. You know, and and they just really and, and this is just one of those episodes where they're trying to remind you that Worf has a kid. Uh, and this is what a kid would want to do. Because, um, you know, I mean, if I had access to a holodeck and could go in and play, you know, Wild Wild West, I certainly would. <laughs> yeah, we, we said that um, holodecks would probably be uh, at least my choice of real-life technology that I'd want to bring into uh, into the real life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if, if, uh, if you give me a... Yeah, uh, without, all the, without all the shenanigans and, and you know, failures... Um, this this episode always tickles me because uh, basically at the, at the beginning when you know Picard is being incessantly interrupted, one we've all been there. We can all empathize with where Picard is right now. And it's just like one more thing, and um, but it always tickles me that basically Jordy and Data come in there and they're like, "Hey, Dad, um, can I hook my uh, can I hook my BFF up to the computer real quick and see what happens?" And he's like, sure, whatever. I don't care. It sounds fun. Go have fun, kids. And they just plug data into the main computer of the Enterprise like, ah, what will happen, you know? And yeah, here we are. <laughs> I, I'd forgotten that's how the episode started, to be honest, because I always remember that scene where Picard's there with his Resigan flute. Nice callback on that one. Um, just practicing, um, playing along with the music, and then... Um, he gets interrupted by Geordie and Data, then comes Dr. Crusher, then comes Worf, of course, all trying to find work to do. Okay, so I want to, I want to take uh, a moment here. Everything, you, basically everything you just noted, people like to criticize or they want to put, a, put, a, uh, put it out there that you know, part, of the, part of the difference between this era of Star Trek and that current era of Star Trek is the lack of serialized storytelling, episodic storytelling versus, you know, an arc, as it were. Mm. You know, here, this episode highlights several threads of continuity from previous episodes. Yeah. We have the flute. We have, uh, we have Crusher directing a play, mm. being interrupted by Data's poem from previous episode, wherein he is also struggling to keep Spot off his desk, where he did it before, in an episode with Worf, who was going to take care of Spot. And, you know, Jordy is growing a beard again, and, you yeah. know, Jordy should not grow the beard. I mean, and, and then even the little bit, um, one thing that people think it's weird, and it was weird, it, they, they think it's 
all of a sudden, I should say, when Worf and Troy end up together near the end of season seven, right? But yeah. there are several episodes where they're compatriots, where they lean on each other, and this is one of them. Uh, you know, uh, this is another one that carries the thread of, of, of Deanna and Worf having some kind of a relationship um, that, you know, Sometimes friends try out romance and it doesn't work out. And you can kind of see these elements are all in there. So, you know, to heck with you and your no continuity in Star Trek The Next Generation. We got an entire episode that's nothing but an internal reference plus a Western. Yeah, and all, of, all, all of those references in the first few minutes as well. Yeah, you're absolutely exactly. right. I hadn't thought of it like that. But, yeah, every single person that interrupts Picard, obviously Picard with his flute as well, everything mm-hmm. is an ongoing character arc uh, yeah i hadn't thought of that but yeah you're and he's wearing the the jacket and undershirt from from which was more prominently featured in season five so even it's uh, even his wardrobe choice is a little bit of a callback too which is one of my favorite looks on picard by the way that uh what was that like the sport jacket i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I love the jacket he wears in dharma with the sort of yeah leather. picard his jacket sporty Yes, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> I quite like the scene where Crusher comes in and she's talking to him about the play. Um, yeah. And he's going, oh, no, no, I can't commit to anything. I can't commit to anything. And he goes, oh, uh, well, that's okay because I'm not giving you a major part. It's not a big part. <laughs> and the look on his face as if to say, what? <laughs> you don't want me to be the main character? Exactly. Yeah, and what's and then, and then and then Sir Pat and then he's like, well, it's okay. I'm not a very good actor. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is hilarious. So funny. Uh, yeah. Just just everything about this episode brings me joy. And that's um, and and anytime anytime someone uh, asks, you know, what's a feel good? What's your feel good? What's a good? You know, I'm down. Tell me an episode that I should go watch that'll make me feel better. Um, depending on your show, this is the one from TNG. TNG. This is a, this is a go-to feel-good episode for me. Uh, it's right up there in uh, campiness and and uh, and and just uh, outlandishness as um, a piece of the action from the original series. Just one of my favorite episodes from when I was a kid, and has always just stood the test of time. That episode is classic. It's and and and, and you know it, it helps too that my. Other one of my other favorite genres is also an idealized American, um, you know, stereotype of the '30s gangster. So you know, mob mob justice yeah. and wild west justice. I don't know what that says about me as a person, but both of those <laughs> things. I once, I once did a um, uh, treatment of the Scottish play uh, for theater class uh, design uh, in the uh, so the setting though for for the whole thing was in uh, '30s gangland Chicago. Uh, so that story told as a as a turf war between uh, between rival gangs uh, and, and mob in the in the mob era. So there you go. Oh wow, that sounds that sounds amazing. I, I love that sort I, of um, the twist on things as well, where, where you know you've got the basic story of one thing, but in the environment of another, um, guys and dolls, obviously from West Side Story, I should say, mm-hmm. taking the whole thing from Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. And yeah. Right. Yep, that forbidden unrequited love, my guy. It's a, it's a tale as old as time, as the tea, uh, teapot would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I was just going to go back to the whole thing as well, because with obviously Picard there, not wanting to commit. I mean, I do amateur dramatics myself, and I'm currently learning lines for a small part, and 
it, it's weird because when you see a script as a, as an actor, I'm playing quite a small part in it, and I did find myself looking through the script, going, "When's my next bit? When's my next bit? Right. When's my next yeah, bit?" Yeah, I remember that. So I remember those days. Yes. But you're obviously also um, in a position of, oh, okay, I've got all these lines to learn. You know, turning the pages and then realizing, oh, hang on a second, I've now got to start learning all these lines and I'm still in that process <laughs> at the moment. Uh, and we're three weeks away from putting the script down and just knowing that, um, am I going to know all these lines in the next three weeks? Well, that's, uh, you know, I... Uh... And, and if you, if anyone has heard me on any podcast, probably at all before, uh, this is not news. But I am a giant theater nerd on top of being just a nerd in general. Uh, and that was <clears throat> that's what I did in high school. That was my my beside band. Besides band, uh, I played the saxophone and the sousaphone, the tuba. Uh, and uh, I, I I was the uh, president of my thespian troupe my senior year in high school. Uh, so I did band and I did theater, and that was that was it. But I was technical theater. I didn't do a lot of acting. I did a lot of set, a lot of building, a lot of uh, pyrotechnics that we probably shouldn't have been able to get away with. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, here you guys, yeah, sounds great. Go ahead and rig up some some you know. Uh, uh, literally, they were open. Um, light sockets you know you screw in your light bulb into it but if you crosswire it with with some copper and then you put some black powder in that and when you flip the switch it will and it looks cool for the wizard of oz but it could probably also set your high school on fire which we did not do it's important to know we did not do that um uh but yeah and then that's what i went to university for uh, although you know i didn't quite come out the other side of that but um i did act a little bit in high school uh, enough to know that that's not my gig, uh, but it was also <laughs> it was also in a western. Uh, Annie, get your gun, a musical about Annie Oakley, and I played uh, a cowboy of all things. Uh, and uh, and then also um, I had a I had a costume change and had to be some sort of socialite as well later, and uh, then costume back into the cowboy. So it was, you know it was a broad spectrum of my ability as an actor. Uh, but yeah, I get where Picard's coming from. You're like, oh, I don't want to commit. I don't want to. Well, oh, when then when you're not wanted, you're like, but 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 I was maybe gonna. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got we've got a small part for you. You know, you can play two lines yeah. as the butler, and as I said earlier, you know, the look every on his bit face. of it. Every bit of it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and then obviously Wolf comes in. Yeah, and Wolf won't take is, a day off. Yeah, Worf is desperately trying to make work for himself to make sure that he doesn't have to go into the holodeck with Alexander. He doesn't want to spend time with this kid. (laughs) (laughs) Because Worf is the worst space dad ever. Oh, yeah, completely. He's a terrible dad. (laughs) That's it, and episodes go by where we never see Alexander at all. He's the anti-Cisco. We mentioned on a previous episode as well about the episode Genesis, and we were thinking about, you know, Worf de-evolves and becomes Mm -hmm. that creature. We were wondering where Alexander was at this point, because surely he would have gone through the same thing. Right, right, yeah. And, you know, like I said, maybe he was in school at the time, you know. Uh, benefit of the doubt, uh, he was he was in class at the time and de-evolved with his friends. <laughs> Which does beg the question then that you've got 
the creature that he becomes in a school of children, and it becomes That's even true. more horrific. It so. does, because maybe he ate his friends. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's really, oh, Alexander. That's why he's, that's why he's not a really great character. <laughs> so yeah. we assume by this point Alexander was off the ship and we just didn't get told. So That's true. That's anyway, true. going back to A Fistful of Datas, you've got the great scene there. Worf comes back, back to the quarters, and Alexander's there going, yeah, what'd he say, what'd he say? Uh-huh. So, I can go, saddle up, father. Yes. <laughs> that's what kills me is the way the frequency and the way he calls him father just mm. it's like ah, nobody talks like that <laughs> kids kids my kids have never talked to me that way <laughs> does he have a call dad or pop yeah that's or... what i'm thinking it's like come on you know you even even and i know it's like klingon formal blah 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 i'm sure there's a familiar phrase in Klingon or something that they would call each other like you know um, my kids you know you go from daddy to dad to, to pop or whatever but you know the one thing they don't ever call me is father I don't even know that they re- reference me as their father they probably call me their dad you know and that just like I did and maybe it's more clever than we're giving it credit for. Maybe it's a clever writing technique to show that there's this disconnect between Worf and, and, and Alexander, and it's a commentary on you know uh, single fathers in the 24th century and how uh, maybe they disaffect their children by not being able to be available. Yeah, um, it, we know of course Alexander's not the world's best Klingon. He doesn't. He's not really a good like, Klingon. No, no, he doesn't like any of the Klingon traditions. So it, it just seems strange that he. He thinks it's all do- dumb. Yeah, he'd do the Klingon thing and say father. You'd think he'd be more like Kayla or whatever and say whatever she's, whatever she's. Yeah, like, so, be more like those Klingon teenagers that uh, hang out with uh, the doctor's friend, uh, the doctor's kid on Voyager, you know? His holographic yeah. son had really cool Klingon teenage friends. Be those friends, Alexander. Be those kind of Klingons. The, the ones that... Klingon uh, acid punk. <laughs> <laughs> We have the opening credits then, and then we get into the first actual Western scene. The legs and the cowboy boots. The spurs. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Oh, yeah. Wolf walking in with the spurs on his boots. Alexander following him in. Classic Western setup. Yeah. And Wolf doesn't know what they're there for at this point. They're going, where are we? Oh, right, okay, and we're lawmen, yeah. And you can see at yeah. that point, he gets, starts uh, to get oh, a bit of a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. His, his, like, his, his eyebrow, oh, we are law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> and I love as well, you've got that girl who whistles at them, uh-huh, draped, yeah. draped over the top. And yet another callback reference that, that Mr. Barkley helped me with that. Oh, is Barkley from another episode, and do we know that he's a holodeck expert? I don't know. That's probably some continuity mm, just yeah. being thrown in there for flavor. Yeah, if you've never seen anything before, it's like, who is this Mr. Barkley? But, uh, yeah, it's, um, oh, well, Barkley's helped us out. Oh, I need to have a word with Mr. Barkley. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but it looks like it's going to be over in a heartbeat because they go into the saloon, the boy is in there, <laughs> and Wolf full on just goes, you're under arrest. I think, <laughs> you're coming with me. <laughs> yeah, then everything hits the fan. It goes nuts. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, so this uh, this kid uh, they they're coming up to. He's the he's the son of the local you know bad guy who runs who runs all the bad things, um, as as per usual in a western. Uh, and so you know, Worf not knowing the the situation uh, decides he can just snatch this kid up and you know he one hands his, he palm he palms him just palm fists him to the face and that's it holodeck adventure is over <laughs> yeah that's it the shortest episode ever eli hollander isn't it that's the name of the yeah character. eli that was it i was gonna i wanted to call him eric but it's eli and i had to keep looking up at the screen as well because i thought even at this point he sounded a bit like data Mm-hmm. Obviously, spoilers for later on in the episode. I, I was just thinking, yeah, he kind of sounds like Data already, and he um, obviously he had a bit of a character on him for when Data later showed up. Right, but exactly. His hat flies off, and Deanna Troy is stood there with a shotgun. Who's uh, and as Durango? She comes in as Durango. Yeah, or the Stranger. Now, apparently, yeah. um, I was looking at this. She was meant to have been the barmaid or the um one of the wenches i think in the original oh yeah one of the court with one of the courtesans yeah um but uh, they changed it because the original idea for it was meant to be in like sergio leone spaghetti western type thing uh, and, um, see and i like this take better i think because one um it gives it gives troy's character something meaty to do that mm. isn't just you know typical woman uh roles like you know, if she were the the lead courtesan or whatever the case may be, that would just be kind of tropic, you know. Yeah. Uh, whereas letting her be a strong, you know, Western uh, uh, shooter herself, kind of an Annie Oakley, uh, as it were, um, <clears throat> is really good. The only thing with the, with her character in this, her portrayal in this, is attempting to layer a Southern slash Western accent on top of the accent she already does for Deanna when. You know, Marina's natural accent is always best anyway. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, and, and uh, if you haven't, if you didn't know, listeners, uh, she did a mix of her father's, I think it's Grecian Mediterranean accent, mm. <clears throat> to develop the Betazoid accent that she uses on the show, which wanes over the course of time and is almost completely gone by first contact. But, um, but yeah, here she's trying to layer a southern slash western accent on top of that, and it just it just real like she's throwing on her mouth all the time, you know. It just real makes it very difficult for her diction to come through. Yeah, Lond- Londoner with Greek ancestry doing a yeah. Betazoid accent and layering on an American drawl on top of it. <laughs> it just yeah, doesn't it's- work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, um, but she's she's great in the uh, she's yes. great in this role. Beside that, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I can't fault it, and it's it's so fun to watch it. And that's the one thing I've got to say about the episode. This one actually, I was I was going to say it as well about piece of the action earlier on as well. The cast look like they're having so much fun doing this mm-hmm. as well. Um, well, and Deanna is like she's in it. She's like, Ward, you've got to play along. <laughs> My name is Durango. <laughs> yeah. And she's there, c- cigar smoking, um, yep. trying to blow smoke rings. She, apparently, she, oh, but there's no smoking in Star Trek. Don't forget. Oh no, no, no! Of course not. Yeah, we, hol- we've yeah. never seen the characters do anything like that. Mm, but it's a holographic cigar, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, that's just so it's fine. Yeah, the safe. <laughs> but when the safeties are off, yeah. But you know, does she? Smoke? I mean, could you get could you get holographic cancer from smoking holographic Ooh. cigarettes? Ooh. <laughs> That's a you know, hey, there's a there's a there's a there's a uh, angle we could pursue at some point. 
Mm. Hollow, hollow cancer. You know, if, jo- if Voyager didn't cover it where it comes to holograms, it probably didn't, doesn't exist, though. So everything we know about holograms came, comes from Voyager. And Deep Space Nine, where we know that they just use hollow suites and holodecks for sex, but that's, um, that's yeah, an entirely different That's totally different it. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different episode. Uh, but yeah, this uh, she's great in this, and I love I love uh, the way she she eats eats up the role once she realizes um, that no one else is playing along. It kind of it kind of disappoints her, but she's there for it. She's she's totally all in on it. Um, it reminded me a bit as well, and I know this isn't really a um, really another sort of PC thing, but it reminded me in some places of Blazing Saddles as mm-hmm. well. Um, right. Where you've got the stranger coming in, um, who's got expert gun skills, and that reminded me of the Gene Wilder character in Blazing right. Saddles. Well, and uh, being having, you know, uh, it would we'll just call it what it is. They're playing two stereotypes yes. uh, from, you know, from westerns. Uh, for ill or for not, um, you know, and so there's a there's a um, stereotypical portrayal of a mas- uh, of a Mexicano bandolero, uh, which you know these days doesn't doesn't come across uh, nicely at all uh, because it's all you know oh senor this and amigo that and it's just you know it's bad um, and and then I think that's the only. That's the only ethical one or uh, ethnical one that's not pretty great. Uh, the rest of them are just your standard uh, cowboy dudes from from there. Uh, but yeah, it it it, uh, it has a couple of warts these days, but it's still it's still a good fun episode. Brent Spiner, I think, pulls off all of the characters he plays when he, so when he appears later, because obviously all of this stems from Geordie's original thing with hooking Data up to the Enterprise. Mm-hmm to sort of run some backup ship systems. The holodeck goes wrong, which of course it has to because it's a holodeck. And yeah. suddenly Data's poem is now the play that Riker is learning. Ode to Spot. Ode to Spot, which is a genius piece of poetry. It really it is. Yeah. You know? I think we can all agree. Yeah. If you aren't if you aren't saying that poem to your own cat, I haven't got a cat of my own, but it will be said to him if we ever did have. Oh yeah, of cat. course. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, you know how you know how it goes. And then of course he starts talking with that drawl every so often. <laughs> um, you know, I reckon uh, that it should take this long. And then boy, by the later in the episode though, he has that whole interaction where he's like, "Don't you worry, we'll get her fixed right up." <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like an entire conversation where he's deadpan serious, like just talking like a regular, you know, like anyone I know down around here, and it just it kills me every time, every time. But the first time you see him on the holodeck, he is creepy um, mm-hmm. when you see him oh, yeah. as, um, as Frank Hollander because um, he comes. So we don't meet of- Frank before he's become Data. Right. Yeah, we don't see him as his regular character self. First time we meet him is the first time we have a sense that something is amiss, other than what we've already discussed. But actually, a miss on the holodeck is that the bad guy shows up looking like Commander Data. Yeah, exactly. Um, With a fancy it, mustache. <laughs> and then, of course, you see Eli um, in the jail cell, and this is the first time that um, Worf and Troy see him. And Deanna just thinks it's Data having a 
mess around. You know, he's come on to the, uh, he's come into the holodeck and joined them, a la what he yeah. did with uh, Dixon Hill. But, you know, it's like, oh, you know, what are you doing here, Data? And Eli's just got this Data. Who's Data? Look on mm-hmm. his face. But, and then they do the uh, they do the the uh, typical, uh, you know, computer in program, computer pause program, computer, mm-hmm. you know, open door, and none of it works because it's a holodeck tragedy. Yeah, of course. Now I can't remember, uh, even though I've just watched this episode. Did um, did they have any sort of indication outside the holodeck that the holodeck had gone wrong? Because normally uh, things like that, you've got them trying to rescue them from inside the holodeck. No, because they uh, what they what the setup is and uh, is that when they first present the idea to Picard, they're like, you know, he could theoretically take over data, could theoretically take over main systems in the event of a computer core failure, and keep everybody alive essentially and get us home. And then um, and and as part of continuing the idea, he continues to you know explain to Picard and, and perhaps even take on some secondary systems. And Picard's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Sounds great. Go, go have fun with your friends. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> you know, yeah, basically hook, hook the robot up to the ship. Who cares? And, uh, and so that when they're doing that, uh, before they disconnect, uh, or later on when Jordy's talking about what's been affected, he's like, oh, and, you know, no primary systems have been affected. It's just secondary systems like entertainment, this, that, and the other. So they know there's, they know systems have been affected, but there's no need to be concerned, which I would think, you know, if, if your entertainment system, wouldn't it make sense to see if there were some running holodeck programs that might need to be tended to in case there was an effect on them, but they don't know there's anybody in danger until the more data starts to act like a character out of the holodeck, they start to trace back where it came from. Yeah. Uh, but they do lay the crumbs along the way that that's where, what gets us there. You know, Jordy's like, oh, yeah, and we'll probably jack around some secondary systems, too. And Jada's like, Jada's like yeah, some secondary systems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? They, I could watch Jordy and Data all day. Oh, they need a buddy cop show. Oh yeah! You know, give us a day. Give us a day to Jordy Buddy Cop Show cartoon show on uh, Paramount Plus, you cowards. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, we've got all these new spin-off series, and how about as well? You've got the opposing Buddy Cop Show as well, being O'Brien and Bashir. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's. I mean, this is gold. This is all gold. And that we got such great animation these days. There is. I mean, you know, some of these character, uh, some of these actors, unfortunately, um, they they suffer the fates of nonlinear uh, or linear time, just like the rest of us. And um, they've aged, unfortunately. Uh, but we have we have great animation now in Star Trek, and we can. You know, uh, that's one thing Marvel has proven with the What If series. You know. Get these people into their roles, doing these what-if one-offs, and uh, give me some Captain Proton, give me some Buddy Cop, uh, Bashir, and O'Brien, you know, uh, uh, or, you know, maybe, uh, uh, what, what was it, the, the, the James Bond ripoff, but he's actually oh. redeemed, he's actually redeemed the guy who wears the patch, you yeah. know, I mean, come on. Falcon. Be great. Turn, yeah, Falcon, he turned him to the, turned him to the other side, you know, it's the yeah. whole... Paramount, give us a call. Is all we're saying. We got ideas. We can workshop this. We, we work for cheap, you know. We work cheaper than Alex Kurtzman, and you don't have to fire us all the time. You're absolutely right with the whole thing about what if, because there's a whole series there. You know, Star Trek's mm-hmm. holodeck, what if. Yep. It's not, it's not going to be what if, blah, blah, blah. It's a case of 
this is what Wolf did on the holodeck. This is what Troy did on the holodeck. And you can just yeah, have you can just have some fun episodes. with it. Yeah, I love it. It's like Quantum Leap inside of Star Trek, y'all. I mean, yeah. it's the perfect recipe. And then you can have Scott Bakula back. Scott Bakula oh. back. <laughs> any any excuse to get Bakula back in the uh, back in the captain's chair. And I reckon they, they're going to bring him back. I mean, um, his NCIS series is finished, so you know he's probably there. With he's he's available. He's available. Yeah, yeah you know, there's uh, there's got to be. Hey, look, if we can have the James Cameron cameo at the opening for Enterprise and Broken Bow. We can have an Admiral Archer something something in Strange New Worlds. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could Other than it. the brief mention on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that is going to happen. There's going to be a, some sort of appearance from Scott Bakker at some point. Anyway, we, what was the name we of your digress. podcast again? We digress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so um, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have, um, a dig- I have a digression infra, uh, influence field, a field of, a field of digression that, that surrounds me. I think that's the thing, though. When you've got when you've got two Star Trek fans talking, eventually it just sort of goes off on a complete hmm. tangent. And, and then we we'll, we just loop right back around to the to this though, um, you know, where uh, they have uh, they kidnap uh, Alexander. Yes, uh, that's the that's part of the setup, but it's uh, taking place too early in the script, uh, and that's when Alexander realizes something ain't right. Um, Again, thinking that, uh, you know, Commander Data came in to play a role and he thinks that's cool uh, until he realizes that that's not Commander Data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. LaForge is obviously trying to work out what's going on from the outside. Worf then sets up the typical gunfight at high noon. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, the saloon ambush type scenario downtown, yeah. downtown, you know, Deadwood. The name of the town is Deadwood. But in the meantime, Troy is seen... Eli has got Data's abilities, so he's yes. there. Um, what is he doing? Sort of shuffling cards at high speed. Very quickly. Yeah. yeah. And Very thinking, quickly. yeah, there's no way you're going to outdraw Data, which is basically. Yeah, that's what she mentions that, you yeah. know, uh, it, may be, it may be this, but uh, you have to understand he's working with the reflexes and accuracy of an android. Yeah. You know. So they then and, sort out that great thing with the communicator and that person. What? Shield. Where did the communicator come from? Who had it? I can't remember who had it on them because it didn't appear that they were wearing them. Uh, did Troy bring it with her? Uh, that's a good point, actually, because they all come on in costume. Yeah, they're where all in there. Where did that come from? Yeah, I'll have to. Hmm, did we find a? Do we find a nitpick? I'm sure someone's answered that question before. Uh, but they make they make a handy force field with it. That's that's uh, that's the uh, the the root of it though. Is that they build a they build a force field just in case the safeties are off and the bullets are real. Yeah. Well, they know the bullets are real at that point because Wolf. Oh right, because Wolf's been shot. Yeah. yeah. He's right. He's been shot, but he didn't even notice it. You know, it's like whatever. He didn't even notice because he's Klingon. Yeah, he's know? he's Klingon. He's hard. He, yeah. he you know bullet wound. <laughs> he's he's gonna shrug that one off. It's like a mosquito bite. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, sure enough, sure enough, Eli's there firing off round after round, and it just gets completely absorbed by the shield. And of course, it's a trap as well because suddenly Worf is surrounded by lots of other lots data. Of Eli's gangs, um, who of course, yeah, all look like data. And <laughs> you, you, that's when you've got the Mexican character that appears on the top of the building you've got the one that sort of comes around the corner 
and Troy or Durango is there ready to take that one down. And all of this is being watched by Alexander on the floor, which apparently is a Shane reference, I believe. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and, you know, the, of course, the title itself is a, is a reference to uh, Fistful of Dollars. So, mm. you know, yeah. there's that, too. Yeah. The, um, apparently, the, the story idea was a Robert Hewitt Wolfe story who, um, who oh. went on to DS9. The episode was then rewritten by Brandon Braga, who doesn't like Westerns. So he, uh-huh. wrote, he then wrote, uh, rewrote it and has got the teleplay credit. And the whole episode is directed huh. by Patrick Stewart. Oh, um, well, yeah, there you go. That's fun. That's why he's not in it much. Yes. It's hard um, to be in the episode you're directing unless you're Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> or Gates McFadden, because she directed yeah. a previous one. Well, uh-huh. sorry, a previous one. A seven-season one. And um, she's not in that episode much, neither. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, a little behind-the-scenes chatter. Uh, Star Trek is famous for um, boot-camping their actors to become directors. Um, And uh, when they first get started at it, though, you know, it's hard to be behind and in front of the camera at the same time. Uh, But, yeah, it's one of the shows that... um, And that's why you see uh, Robbie McNeil's name on a lot of stuff that isn't Star Trek-related, because he does a lot of stuff that isn't Star Trek-related. Um, mm. It's kept him working all these years as director and producer and stuff, you know. Yeah, Rob Robert McNeil, um, mm-hmm. Roxanne Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Levar as well. Burton. Mike, Levar Burton, of course. Michael Dawn directed some as well, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Avery Brooks did some DS9. Um, oh, Avery. I can't think of many other um, DS9 actors though that did it apart from Michael Dawn. Not off the top. Not off the top no. of my head. No. So, but my favorite part of this episode maybe is the end. How um, the resolution isn't a technical fix. <laughs> to no, the, to the <laughs> no, it's, it's not um, fixed by um, it's not fixed by Geordie from the outside. It's, it's not fixed, fixed by Geordie from the outside. Yeah, not not to the not to the extent that you know that uh, they could have taken it, but it is <laughs> it's, it tickles me uh, because one last uh, or, or one other character who was subsumed by uh the essence of of data was the uh, was the uh, the saloon mistress who had a crush on <laughs> who has a crush on sheriff wharf <laughs> the moment that she well as data comes in as um as the saloon girl as well and uh, the look on wharf's face um as data comes he's like no no <laughs> yeah. end program end program now end program now and of course, Data's there. Well, um, Annie is it? Annie? Annie, yeah, Miss Annie. Miss Annie or Data is there with um, his her head on uh, Worf's chest. Oh. Worf's <laughs> looking up in um, in panic, and at that moment, the holodeck appears around them. Uh, Miss Annie appears, and the relief on Worf's face is uh, is definitely palpable. It's palpable. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and I, I gotta, I, I hope uh, that uh, that Michael and Brent are uh, friends as as much as it looks like you would need to be friends to get through an episode like this. Um, you know, other if not, they look like they had fun regardless. Uh, but I, yeah, I can't imagine that they don't enjoy uh, getting to play off each other in something like this. That's just, you know, that has absolutely no impact on the greater um, canon of Star Trek, other than that we just had some fun, you know. 
Yeah, that's it. And um, I, I think Star Trek does these kind of episodes really well, whereby there's not a s- serious danger of the week. It's not, um, you know, it gives it's everyone not the, some room to breathe. You know, yeah, it's 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 not the universe is about to explode or something is going to cause the end of a planet's life or whatever. Sometimes it's all about just kicking back and having some fun. And while I'm a big fan of the modern era of Star Trek, I think this kind of episode, I, I do miss this kind of episode where it's um, self-contained, let's have a bit of a laugh, let's enjoy yeah. ourselves. And, um, you know, it's it's not all about the end of the universe. I, I can't wait to see Strange New Worlds taking on something like this. Right, or, right. Well, you know, and I mean, like, we had the short trek, The Trouble with Edward. Yes. Uh, just, just goofiness like that. Um, that, you know, that turns out that does, that does have a consequence later on. <laughs> uh, whatever happened with Edward, is, is, you know, it doesn't end up so good for the Klingons. <laughs> But yeah. but yeah, just just you know, um, we we haven't had really a, a fun episode like that of Discovery. We've done some fun things, uh, but nothing that's just one complete episode of of, of you know having hilarity uh, or on Picard. Uh, now that of course that is what every episode of Lower Decks is, but mm. also you know that's its job is to be that. That doesn't mean that it can't be in other parts of Star Trek. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the short treks, you, you mentioned the trouble with Edward, but the escape artist had mm-hmm. that kind of humor to it as well. Ephraim and Dot, I think, is <laughs> oh, a great I Star love Trek that story. One. That's so great. I'm hoping that we'll we'll see this in Strange New Worlds. I, I reckon, um, <laughs> sorry, I've been watching Fistful of Datas. That's um, all right, I reckon. I reckon, I reckon a lot around here, too. I think that that show with the characters that we've seen from Pike, Una, and um, and Spock, I think they'd be perfect for that kind of let's have a fun episode. Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that show so much um, mm. just because I want to see what, you know, what the traditional style of Trek uh, in a modern era uh, can accomplish, and I think that's what we're going to get to see. Um, and, and maybe we get some fun, just fun time episodes like this one for that, you know, let's have yeah. some fun with those because, uh, those actors, uh, Anson and, and, uh, Rebecca and, um, Ethan seem to be having such a good time being these characters that it only, and, and you know, even the short trek with, uh, Una and Spock, uh, was a lot of fun. Um, what is it? The, the question or something like that? Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, th- th- that shows Q&A. that, yeah, Q&A, that's right, yeah, that shows that they can have some fun with that also. Yeah, exactly, so, and uh, you can precedent. tell, <laughs> you can tell that they've got some definite behind the scenes uh, camaraderie as well, because, oh, exactly, um, yeah, it seems like they're all getting along. Yeah, uh, seeing them on the uh, Star Trek Day panel, um, you could tell that they're, uh, that they they were pinching themselves, just basically with the right. job that they're doing. And I think a lot of the new cast that uh, were announced as well. I've got some of the names off the top of my head, unfortunately. But oh, it's an exciting cast. It's it's great, yeah. Jess yeah. Bush as Christine Chapel. I think she's going to be interesting. Anyway, sorry, we've, we've digressed yet again, and we're now again, talking about yeah. Strange New Worlds. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Star Trek. 
Yeah, um, well, always happy to, uh, to talk about anything to do with Star Trek, to be honest. Is there anything else that you want to talk about in this episode? Uh, no, other than the fact that, like I said, it's just one that brings me joy. It's one I recommend to folks when they're down uh, and looking for something to kind of just distract them. Because, again, it, it, there isn't anything bigger to think about in this episode that doesn't have an impact on our characters long term. There isn't something happening to the ship. Um, it isn't advancing, uh, you know, anything mythologically in Star Trek. It's just um, and it's and it's, you know, it's it's a bottle episode and kind in, in a way that um not a lot of other episodes are because it takes place entirely within this, you know, this one, essentially, you know, the A plot takes place inside this uh, self-contained um, Western universe where data gets to be everybody. And, um, and like I said earlier, anytime that I get to spend a lot of time with Brent as data, I'm happy. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters, uh, likely my favorite TNG character, uh, no doubt. And, and just, you know, I just have a lot of fun. I've, I've loved, uh, and, and, and a lot of folks, you know, don't know uh, or maybe not are, are not as familiar with Brent and his comedic uh, timing before he became a Star Trek uh, actor. You know, he spent a lot, he spent some recurring roles uh, on the sitcom Night Court uh, mm-hmm. here in the States. Um, where, he, where he did a Southern drawl on that one too is funny. It's, it's good stuff. And so, you know, seeing him in Trek was a new thing for me. It was, it was uh, you know, a different role for him to be kind of semi-serious. Uh, but when he, when he gets to shine uh, as his comedic self, um, good things happen, fun things happen. Yeah. We've not really seen any of Night Court over here, so we don't really know much about what he's done before. I think um, from my point of view, Star Trek was the first time I'd seen Brent Spiner in anything because I think prior to that I think he's probably done like guest spots on on shows like um, Murder She Wrote or mm-hmm. Diagnosis Murder or things like that as well but um, nothing really that he we'd seen him in a starring role over here in the UK but right. um, but yeah he I can't imagine anybody else now as Data no, no, not at all, not at all. Uh, that's that's where that's where I think the story, uh, the conclusion to Data's story was necessary and well served, um, just so we can all, you know, not forget about him. But you know, we we needed to be able to say goodbye so that we mm-hmm. could stop anticipating him, yeah. uh, because you know, uh, in in Trek, yeah, he's gonna be you know, the same forever. But in reality, all of our heroes have grown older significantly. And, you know, Brent can't play that part anymore to give that look justice. And and everybody who has any reverence for that would appreciate that rather than trying to keep the character going, especially, um, you know, if it meant recasting. That's just, nah. nah. Yeah, not going to be able not to Not in this that. universe. <laughs> but I- you can do it in an alternate universe, but not this one. Yeah, I mean they they gave they gave the character closure and you know I I won't lie there was a bit of a tear in my eye in that scene oh absolutely in, in Arcadia ego uh, but the fact that we've still got Brent Spiner on screen is perfect is it Alter Indigo oh 
Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it, but his name. His initials are AI. Yeah. That's like, that's how I can remember that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is great. Yeah. Great way of keeping Brent Spiner involved in the show uh, while Absolutely. obviously saying, "Well, Data's Data's no longer with us anymore." But um, but yeah. And of course, you've got seven years of Data, four movies. And of course, a couple of episodes of Picard to look back on. And who knows, you might even see Data show up in um, Lower Decks and. You never know. That's right. Prodigy, where they don't have to worry about makeup and things. Because cartoons! Yes. Animated stories. Well, if there's nothing else, I think we can bring this one to I a close. I feel good about this. Yeah. I yeah. feel like we've probably talked about as much as anyone could talk about this one, <laughs> Yeah, I've really enjoyed chatting to you about this as well. I can tell oh, that. Oh, fantastic. No, self, yeah. <laughs> can tell that you love this one. Hopefully, we'll get you back on at some point in the future. Oh, yeah, and we're definitely going to have you over on my side where it's where it's okay to digress all the all the time. Yeah, yeah, be honoured. I'd love to come on. We'll get you on next time with Baz as well. Um, fantastic, yeah. So all three of us can uh, talk some more Trek. And uh, we'll, we'll find something else. It's a shame that they didn't do an, a, a sequel to A Fistful of Datas. Because oh, hilarious. I did see that they wanted to do a few Datas more. But, oh, um, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> but mm, never happened, unfortunately. Never but, happened. Uh, yeah, it's, it's right there, though. It's right there. It's, it's a shame, actually, that we don't do TOS because we could have done an episode of a, about a piece of the action. I found out that side yep. of you as well. I'll always talk about that, too. anyway it's been a pleasure to chat to you today dan oh right you as well if you could just remind everyone where we can get hold of you yeah come find me uh it all starts on twitter at d-a-n-d-e-c-k-r and then you can use that pretty much everywhere else uh, handles exist to kind of find me um and again uh listen to uh the shall we digress podcast uh, at digresscast uh every thursday a new episode uh, it will be available. So I'd uh, appreciate your ears and feedback on that as well. Great stuff. Uh, you can get hold of me at NCC underscore one seven Formula One. You can get hold of my normal co-host, Baz Greenland, at Baz Greenland on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow us at Beyond Farpoint on Twitter. Uh, you can also look for the Nexus, our Facebook group, where you can chat about not just our podcast, but any podcasts on the Holosuite Media Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Beyond Farpoint if you're not already. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks very much and bye-bye. Let's see what's out there. Engage. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer. List other available Holosuite media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene, thinking that it was game over before it even started and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, (laughs) which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, Mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like... About, I don't know, I think it was like 62 abs. He just looked ripped. And then he was just like, you know, a little bit of this. Yeah. A little bit of that. I was just going to say, it was the way that he also narrated it. It was just perfect. It was great. Ransom definitely went to the school of Kirk Fu. Ransom Fu, maybe we should be calling it.
Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, Random Trek Review, a Star Trek Review Podcast. Yeah, the one you mentioned with Dr. Crusher is hilarious because it gets down to her and Captain Picard. And so it's like they have this giant galaxy-class ship and there's just the two of them and he acts like it's a normal thing. And it's just absolutely ridiculous, right? Two people on that giant starship. And there's even the point where, where she says, Computer, how many personnel would it take to run this ship? And they're like, 832 or something. And Picard's like, oh, yeah, that is kind of weird, I guess. <laughs> I thought we were just doing it, the two of us, you know? Like, that was pretty funny. Computer, deactivate Holosuite.